0: you're i think you're right on until the end and then you're com- like completely wrong <laughs> The idea is to inspire a population to be more virtuous. Plato said that art was super dangerous. I don't think a man can live like a truly nihilistic life.
1: Unfettered access to dopamine, unfettered access to entertainment, drugs, anything. I have to take cold showers to feel something in my life. People have to take semaglutide to stop eating. He's got riz. He's got r- Oh, Jesus. Did that trying right? to get the TikTok audience to, <laughs> s- to subscribe. Yeah, I'm sure they're gonna love when you go, he's
0: riz. He has <laughs> lots of riz. <laughs> The world wars happened and society stopped believing in any truth or good. Everything had meaning. Everything was permeated with like meaningfulness. When we lose that belief and we lose that magic, like life loses its magic. Kyle Armstrong has been one of
1: my closest friends for over 20 years now. He's an entrepreneur, an amateur historian, and by the time this episode is released, he'll be a father. This is Kyle's third time being on the podcast, mostly because he's so easy to talk to. For years, Kyle and I have gotten together to have marathon conversations, where we riff for hours, and somehow we leave feeling even more energized. In this episode, we speak about how art shapes society, man's need for purpose, and why Taylor Swift is the GOAT. I love speaking with Kyle, and I hope you enjoy listening. If you have a moment, please let me know what you enjoyed about the episode, what could be improved, or what topics you want to hear more about in the future. Let's do it. Dude, good to see you. Good to see you, bud. How you been? Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Yeah. I just recorded an Do you episode. feel the holiday
0: uh, spirit? No. Oh, it doesn't feel like the holidays?
1: No, it hasn't felt that way since
0: I was like 13. <laughs> so I'm just a child, <laughs> just hoping for it. <laughs> That's so funny. Do you feel it? Uh, it feels a little bit like, it, more so than when we, during COVID. Mm, oh yeah, totally. I feel like once, I don't know what it was,
1: like in my preteen years, it like went away where I was like, it just stopped being magic. I don't know. Were you like an early, like Santa doesn't exist kid? I feel like I knew at the right time. Like I feel like I was he right was in the middle of the bell
0: curve. Okay.
1: What about you? Do you remember when you
0: learned? Yeah, I think I learned pretty early. I think I, I think I was like, because I remember <laughs> I would go through my parents' uh, closets looking for gifts, and I think I, I, I put it together. Uh, I think yeah. I put it together a little young. I don't want to say I was like, you know, I wasn't like four, but like I put it together that Santa wasn't real, but. Yeah, I feel them? the holiday spirit this year. I think because like, ha- wife's pregnant too. Like, Did you tell your parents when you found out? I had so much trouble. I had <laughs> so much oh, trouble because you
1: found out because of the present find.
0: Yeah, and they were like, uh-huh. they were like, "I'm gonna take them all back, uh-huh. I'm taking all these presents back. There's gonna be no Christmas this year." Because my parent, my parents like overdo Christmas. Mm-hmm. They always overdid it. There was yeah. like, now that I think about it, like I mean, you've had to throw a lot of Christmases for kids. Like, right. Now that I think about it, I'm like, oh geez, I got I got a lot to live up to, or I gotta convert to Judaism or something
1: yeah I don't know because it's just
0: one gift a day for a few yeah it's like eight like gifts right yeah right. it's limited Easy. Right? Easy. and I think some of them are allowed to be shitty like yeah right they kind of know you're working up to yeah. it. yeah absolutely
1: no but- I I found out and then I like iced my mom out like I I remember confronting her and being like is Santa real <laughs> like tell me the truth and she's like you want the truth and I'm like yeah she's like he's not real and I'm like I know <laughs> And then I'm like, I'm giving you the silent treatment. I'm not going to talk to you. And she was like,
0: you promise? (laughs) (laughs) Deal. Deal. Yeah. I was so betrayed. Oh, that's so funny. About the lie. Yeah. That's so funny to be, to like,
1: (laughs) yeah. I make the kids keep the lie going now. I tell them, I'm like, if you tell like, if you admit to me, which by the way, they're 17 and 18. If you admit to me that Santa's not real, then santa's not bringing you presents anymore that's a deal
0: you're okay. like hey, so they're doing it to enable you It's basically to give you a little bit of your christmas <laughs> Totally. Yeah. you know it makes me that makes me think of uh i've i've been watching uh, i'm sure you have favorite directors and stuff right yeah like my favorite director is terry gilliam okay what's will see i haven't heard of him uh he was in monty python originally mm. he did their animations oh but he's like made uh, a number of films since he's made uh Baron von Munchausen. He's made uh, he made a Don Quixote film. He made a film called Brazil. That's sort of, but his his theme the theme is more important. Is uh, it's the same thing theme, theme as Don Quixote? Have you ever read Don Quixote? No,
1: I want to. It's like it's on my okay, to do list. It's
0: not a one you have to force yourself to read. Okay, which it's like just legitimately hilarious, funny okay. as long as it's a good translation. Like it's just super long. You might not read the whole thing, but it's enjoyable. Like you. I think he like invented the novel to some extent but it's it's a it's a pleasure to read but the whole there's a movie um that was made with Peter O'Toole called Man from La Mancha mm-hmm. and it's it's basically the Don Quixote myth I would think of it as like a mythos more than anything because okay. it it really is a timeless story and it's like Don Quixote is the post-medieval period when there's no longer knights, there's no longer squire. I mean, it's really, I mean, people are, people still have titles of nobility, but they're not walking around, you know, in armor, like fighting each other and like saving maidens and stuff. But he gets it in his head from reading books that, like he just starts to believe that to be real, that Mm -hmm. he's back in that time. So he lives this like gallant and like, he like lives like as a knight errant and he finds a squire named Poncho, who's really just like his, assistant who's like trying to get him to not kill himself. And he like, finds a chick who's like a, a prostitute, but he thinks of her as like a maiden. And like it, but the whole thing is like, what is the lie that is better off to believe? And you almost don't have to call it a lie. But like, what, like what, what myths, what, what myths or stories or dreams do we have that animate us? And that's the theme that Gilliam is always playing with, is like, when we lose that belief, and we lose that magic, like life loses its magic. And we all have, and like we all have to find something, something special, something like to hope for, something sort of magical in the real world. How does
1: that, for you, translate to today? Like, what's the analog with modern? Well, I think
0: of like I'll give you one more example of like someone I think is well. There's a few people, but like one person who's a really good example of that is uh, Yukio Mishima. Okay. So he's a Japanese author. Crazy story. World famous Japanese author. Guy was a stud, Uh, should have won the Nobel Prize, was like right up there in the Nobel Prize for literature. Didn't quite win win it, runner up, whatever, right? He got it in his head. This was after World War II, Japan had been bombed. They were kind of becoming Americanized, no longer really had an emperor, were kind of going Western. Mm -hmm. He was a scrawny kid, grew up literature, started lifting weights, then started doing kendo, then started really believing in the myth of the samurai. So he created a little like militia of people who wanted to reinstate the emperor and they all trained Sam, like trained Kendo. They, they like was Japanese Bushido, Bushido culture. It was like on. Wait, right? is this a story? It's true. This this is, is true. true. It was true life.
1: So yeah. how old? So when he's 20 or something, he starts putting this together? Yeah. Okay. So when he's 20, what year is it? Like, like roughly?
0: Uh, I think you're going to, you're going to, you're going to hurt me here. I think it's like 70s. Okay. Like 70s, like 71, 72. Right, right, okay. Could have been 80s, I guess. I guess it could have been later.
1: Somewhere in that. Yeah,
0: in that weird side. 70s is hard to date for me. It's like kind of like the lost decade. But yeah, 70s, 80s. He's like mid-20s. He kills it. Lifts Mm -hmm. weights. Already kind of buffed dude. Lifts weights, like starts getting that martial culture together. Is really an amazing poet. And then is like, I want to bring the emperor back. And I want it to be me. And I'm an artist. So he puts together a militia. They start training. They start doing little drills. He kidnaps a Japanese general in a military base. This is true. This is true. Well, I'm gonna, there's kind of a payoff at the end. Yeah, Goes on the like balcony to speak to the Japanese troops. And remember the Japanese army was limited in what it could do after World War II and there was all that stuff. Gives a speech to say, let's reinstate the emperor Unfortunately, they kind of like laughed at him. They didn't take him seriously, but gives a speech, goes in, cuts the head of the general off, and then commits ritual seppuku himself. Whoa. And actually that, you can't see it on camera, but that's his head right there no that way. I had cast in, or I didn't have it cast, but it was an artist who did it. And it was like, I always think of that as, is there, like, do I have anything that I believe in that fucking much? Right, <laughs> Like. Totally. And who does?
1: Yes, this is uh, something I wrote down that I wanted to talk to you about today. It's like, uh, what do we do without purpose? Like we have so little purpose and so little direction, like this era of peace that we've been living in since World War II. Like I was just talking with somebody about this, how we are in the most peaceful period of human history ever, including the current conflicts, including conflicts we've been in, you know, through the, 70s up till now. But if you look at like percentage of human population, this is the most peaceful we've ever this been. This is
0: kind of Steven Pinker thesis a little Now is
1: right? this, am I, you are far more versed in history than I am. That Am I accurate in saying that this is a very peaceful period overall?
0: Uh, You know, I, I don't know how you quantify something like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you live in America, for sure. Yeah, right. definitely. I, it's like an unusually peaceful period, especially if you think of, yeah, if you think of the two world wars that were just, you know, 100 million westerners died roughly and as a percentage of the human
1: population that and then world crazy. war one
0: was was i don't think as many people died i don't really know which one was more but it was more horrific like mm-hmm. you have people being gassed with like chlorine gas and Whoa. living in bunkers for for like a year yeah and like Oh, I was looking at a crazy thing they had invented where it looks like an air hole for a bunker because they had like, you know, the Germans and the French were lined up against, or Germans and the British and the French were lined up against each other in these bunkers and they would just shoot at each other and they'd move the line, you know, 20 yards, move it back 20 yards. And it was designed to look like an air hole that, that someone would throw a grenade in and then it would go, and it'd pop the grenade out the other side. Yeah. And you're just like, oh my God, what hell was this that they had right. But but what you're talking about is like, and I think it's a lot of philosophers have talked about is like a desert of meaning, mm. post World War II, post post peace. That's a poetic way to put it. Desert yeah, of meaning it's not mine. <laughs> it's always <totally> stolen. <laughs> but but yeah, it, it is. It's like a, a yeah. and even like I was listening to this really great book called The Invention of Home by Rubaszitsky. She's a Polish last name, I think. I, don't, I can't. But anyway talking about during the medieval period if you were a certain rank you you couldn't unless you were a certain rank you couldn't buy certain colors of clothes you couldn't buy certain items of clothes oh. every color had a symbolism every day of the year every day of the week had symbolism mm-hmm. every month had a festival everything had meaning everything was permeated with like meaningfulness and you look at like the cathedrals that they built during that period during mm-hmm. the middle ages and you go kind of makes sense i don't think we could i don't think we could build that unless it was like kitsch.
1: I don't think we could authentically,
0: but yeah. Like is the closest we get these days, I guess. But Art Deco is really kind of like a throwback, right? Totally. It's not even like authentically us. It's just us like going back. And and that's sort of what they did too, was they went back to Greece and Rome. And that's kind of what everybody does. There's a
1: a quote, I maybe even said this in one of our previous recordings, uh, that like all, classic art, like all art that we revere now was modern art in its time. And I thought that was a really interesting way to think about like, uh, we trash on contemporary architecture, we trash on contemporary art, but the only art made today that they're gonna talk about in 500 years, if they do at all, is art that we are considering very modern right now.
0: So, true, interesting thought, unless, that, unless modern art is, represents a cul-de-sac, or like a legitimate break with all artistic tradition of the past.
1: Oh, what, that, what does
0: that mean? Uh- like the idea of representing beauty and showing the beautiful, the true and the good, possibly showing evil too, but you know, a universe that's sort of right-sized and like set on its axis versus that was kind of what art was. And it and it did change, you know, it went from like being almost all religious and you could even look at someone like Hieronymus Bosch who who got surrealistic you know what i mean um but i think after you get past a certain point art kind of folded in on itself and it stopped being about representing anything that's true or beautiful or requiring any skill or any craftsmanship Mm -hmm. like bananas taped to walls like (laughs) mickey mouse with a bunch of you know dildos coming out of his head like i mean even banksy you can look at like there's not that like there's not the craftsmanship of some painter who like you can't even really learn to paint like that anymore. I was actually looking into it. Like, really? It's hard to get like classically trained to paint. Like a lot of those, some of those skills are lost, just like some of those artisanal skills to build those cathedrals are also lost. So mm. so agreed that modern art is our art, but also at the same time, I think it, it does represent like a break with the past, like a serious break with the past. Like a banana taped to a wall is not the same as like a Raphael painting or like, you know maybe
1: we just don't like that's the stuff that blows up on social media because it's like meta and whatever. But it, a lot of very famous artists were not big in their time, right? Like Van Gogh was relatively obscure during his
0: lifetime. I I don't know enough about it. To George it is. Kondo is a, okay, it's a good living painter. I think he's living or he's, he's a modern painter who paints. It's different, it's not, you know, it's not like uh, um it's not what we would think of as like a john like a john ruskin like naturalist painting or anything but it's it's of our time it's beautiful Mm. it's almost a macabre Hmm. or like gruesome like it's kind of like has that era about it you know it's like it's bohemian and just kind of like kind of like weird and twisted but it's it is very skilled painting and he's a very skilled artist i don't know if you've ever seen the painting of a businessman no it's it's yeah, it's like kinda like a he almost look he makes business he has this painting where he makes businessmen look like a puppet. Like he has like this kind of puppet painting. It's mm-hmm. a really it's like one of his most famous paintings. But George Kondo is a good example of like a good living painter. And there are more like that. I think you're right. We do we do think of like uh what was John Lennon's wife? Yoko Ono. Um, we think of like Yoko Ono screaming at a oh art God. exhibit.
1: Dude, anybody listening, you have to go listen. If you haven't heard Yoko Ono's band, <laughs> it's it's really good. You're gonna love it. You'll see why John wanted to go. <laughs>
0: well he was happy to go
1: (laughs) he actually he arranged that whole
0: thing (laughs) yeah he set that up he's like free (laughs) me from this woman
1: (laughs) god there's a video of her playing at some festival and everybody was like oh sick yoko ono and they had no idea what her music was like oh god (laughs) it's just a pan of the crowd just in
0: horror (laughs) i I mean i think yoko ono like should be called a it's like a syndrome like the Mm -hmm. like we'll just say person who marries another famous person and then thinks they're famous by like, right. by transitive property yeah, <laughs> and then ruins that person. Right? Yeah, that's definitely, you
1: see that impulse a lot. People wanna like,
0: yeah. Make the
1: stage about them. Yeah, you mm-hmm. see it with, with a lot of people. I
0: can think of a few people.
1: So on the art thing, I feel like, I like what you said about the truth. Like it, good art represents a truth. And so maybe there's, there's two oh. things. There's the beauty of like, I love the true artisanship of some masterpieces where it's like, wow, that's something that took a tremendous amount of skill. And then also, or maybe not even requiring that skill, some great art is just really truthful. Maybe this desert of meaning that we have right now is part of why, if there is less good art, maybe it's we just don't have a lot of truths to reflect in the moment. Like a lot of great art came out of war
0: and famine, and and there's some things that are true about. Well, actually, it's funny you say that because you're. I think you're right on until the end, and then you're com- like completely wrong. <laughs> Just being funny, but like what actually happened is, I think war happened, and uh-huh. and society stopped believing it. The world wars happened, and society stopped believing in any truth or good. They're like, uh-huh. if that can happen, then there is no god. Interesting. Like if I can get burned with chlorine gas, living in a living in a uh, freaking, you know, a tunnel for three years straight, then it's just, that's where you get like Dada, it's postmodernism. Mm-hmm. It's basically like the world kind of made sense. We had, the, we were, you know, like the British empire, like, you know, it's like, let's, let's civilize the world. Let's, let's put our system and our rationality out into the world and let's build ships and let's um, build schools and let's build hospitals and let's do all that. And then we had these world wars and it was just kind of like, wow, something is severely broken about the way we are or something is just severely broken about civilization. And then Western society just kind of like gave up on meeting.
1: Last time we talked a little bit about uh, like purpose and work and working hard. And there, a Sam Altman, I just saw Sam Altman quote from an interview, uh, the CEO of OpenAI. And he said, CEO, then former CEO, now currently CEO again. Uh, He's back. Yeah, right. Anyway, so he said the, Problem with burnout, like when people experience burnout, it's not that they're incapable of working hard. He said he speaks to other founders who like start a company, work as hard as they can, and then they burn out and they, Mm -hmm. they fall off the wagon or whatever. And he said the problem is not that they aren't capable of working hard. He said he, when he has a problem that he's interested in and that he's seeing results for his efforts, he has like infinite stores of energy. The only time that he, Sam Altman feels burnout is when the things that they're doing aren't working and they're inherently uninteresting. So uh, it's a bit of a left turn from what we're saying, but uh, the idea is like finding- I don't think it is a left turn. Meaning and finding also results for your efforts is how we access like I don't know, infinite stores of energy.
0: Yeah. I absolutely. I think that the the only thing I, I would take issue with is the idea of problem solving as like the core of like our of like what we're trying to do here on earth. You know, I do see that in a business context as like it absolutely when you're working and there's no results, you've experienced it, right? Totally. Where you're just like, this is I'm just like like um it makes me think of that Albert Camus essay. Do you remember the Sisyphus? You, no. re- you read it in high school, I think. We okay. both did in the well, same class. <laughs> maybe but it was about Albert Camus wrote an essay on Sisyphus and says the myth of Sisyphus pushing the rock up the hill and it rolls down and you know pushes up, rolls down, and he says we must imagine that Sisyphus was happy. That's the kind of conclusion <laughs> of his essay. Wow. Yeah, and and he was an absurdist, and you know, kind of goes talk about a left turn, but. It, I think there has to be something that's outside of problem solving and outside of work that has to sustain us that most people are missing. Okay,
1: dude, (laughs) we're like glossing over so many things. Let's go back to all of these. There's so much depth there, but this, another thing uh, about something bigger than yourself. So I uh, have heard a lot of people who've been through AA talk about the importance of the step where you acknowledge a higher power. And I was just speaking with somebody who is um, like a struggling addict. And they explained to me uh, that they really take umbrage with this idea of God, because they're like very anti-religion. And I said, well, isn't, isn't the point that it doesn't have to be religious, it's just acknowledging that there's something greater than you. And then after, right after that conversation, uh, I heard Andrew Huberman, Say that he's religious. He just said this on Lex Friedman's podcast. He's like, you know, I haven't really talked about being religious because it's frowned upon in the scientific community. He's He's religious? Yeah, he's very evidently, he has like a very close relationship with God. And he said the most or one of the most important parts about it for him is acknowledging that there's something bigger than him. That when he says there is a power higher than me, some power that has more control over this universe than I do. Yeah. It creates agency. Like oddly, it's like this inverse thing. It gives him agency.
0: Well, I think I think burnout at a fundamental level or certain type of exhaustion, certain certain type of psychological exhaustion is feeling like you have nothing other than yourself to appeal to. So when you're in that mm. spot, that CEO, especially CEOs, right? You're in that spot where you're like I have to solve every problem. I The buck stops with me. There's no one I can really go to to just be like, can you just take this off my hands? Th- that's where exhaustion builds. I think that's where exhaustion builds in life too. Where you're like, even when you're dealing with like house problems and you're just like, like when you get someone to try to fix your, like we are talking water heater, or HVAC or, and you're like, I don't, like I need to rely on somebody else here to like solve this problem for me. I can't do this myself actually. Right. And I think that that builds up a certain kind of exhaustion that, Addictions relief, and I mm-hmm. think that, I think that that's why that's an important step, and I think that that's probably a key to avoiding burnout too. Because if you feel like you're aligned with some sort of higher purpose, or your what you do matters in some kind of way, mm-hmm. and and it doesn't have to matter in, in terms of like John Rawls like <laughs> human impact, but just like I'm doing something that's beautiful, true, and good, and I'm I'm pleasing God, I'm pleasing mm-hmm. higher power, mm-hmm. and A higher power that, Uh, and also I think it's important that it's a personal and loving God, not an impersonal like clockmaker type God. What's the difference? A personal loving God is a God that you have a relationship with. Mm -hmm. And then a clockmaker type God would be a God who just like set things in motion and then stepped back.
1: Mm, Interesting, like like
0: an experiment, like, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like we're sea monkeys or something. Right, 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 right. (laughs) I think that it all comes back to, I think that's why when societies get better, they're usually called restorations and they're usually religious. Restorations are revivals and they're usually mm. religious. Revolutions don't usually make society better. Restorations are revivals, make people happier.
1: Revolutions come first. That's like, yeah,
0: yeah. And then in the aftermath. We're due for a restoration, I think, of some kind. Some kind of going back to the old way, I think. I think people are aching for it. I think people. I think we are so tired as like, I think this thrust of energy in our society, of what we're doing and where, like the the leg that we're out on right now, is so exhausted. What's think, the leg we're out on? The OnlyFans, social media, mm-hmm. you know, monopolistic tech capitalism, you know, the political, the state of like politics, and and just people's daily lives. I just, I feel like we're over it. I don't think, I don't think, people like even the Marvel movies, we're fucking, we're over Marvel movies, mm-hmm. right? We're over our own entertainment, like the everyone's just like what like what do we where do we go from here it's gen z gen z is super nihilistic they have this like
1: very bleak outlook on life and about how meaningless it is and they just like i want like i'll take what i can get for the least amount of work there's no point to anything and it seems like many young people are nihilistic but previous generations there was at least like a seed of hope like for change and Gen Z feels like they don't even have that hope for
0: change. They just <laughs> are over it. Yeah, it's like make me a crypto millionaire or bust. Right. Yeah, that's a bummer.
1: The, the pendulum keeps swinging faster and faster. Like there's more and more momentum to it. And I wonder what the swing back
0: is going to look like. That's what I'm saying. Because yeah. I think we're due for we're due for restoration. Well, the problem is now. What did uh, George Orwell say? Not to be like a nihilist myself, but he said. Uh, for the future of humanity, picture a boot on a man's neck forever. <laughs> and the guy was right about a lot of stuff, right? You know, maybe Huxley was actually a little more right about what things were going to look like. Who's Huxley, Adolus Huxley. Um, oh God, I'm forgetting his book. But he talked about things being we were going to be more like like drugged out and and sort of like uh, placated. Mm. We're gonna be like placated and like with entertainment and drugs. I think he called it soma was the drug that that he invented. I I didn't I haven't read that book for a really long time. But versus Orwell was like hard power, like more Soviet style, mm-hmm. like control. It's actually kind of a horrible mix of both. That right, we got. Yeah. yeah, right. It's like, but I think when you see every all these ayahuasca trips and all these all these experience and like all these different psychedelic experiences, the passage of psychedelic medicine. I mean, it's a huge part of. the uh, speculating in the stock market now, I think I think people are looking to try to shake that nihilism somehow. Mm, interesting. I, I think I don't think you can. I don't think a man can live like a truly nihilistic life. I don't think he can live a life alone.
1: How do we address this? Like, what's the solution?
0: I I would think that, or I think I don't think I'm capable of addressing it. But I do think that the solution is is actually art. That's that's been my conclusion.
1: Interesting.
0: Yeah. the The only way to actually move people's hearts and minds is through art, and I think that's why that stand up comedy right now, or it's it's kind of fallen off a little bit. But stand up comedy is almost like the most, uh, like, some of the the greatest truths come out from truth tellers are stand up comedians. Totally. It's like, and that's an art form. It's like one mm-hmm. of the last places left. It's like mm. kind of the art form of our of our time, actually. Interesting, yeah, yeah. And it's one of like the last places left where like we're we're able to speak like raw truth. And but I think I think art, I think that's the only way to actually like move populations and to make sense to people. Because I don't think people listen to logical argument really. And no, I don't think not. it moves their heart.
1: I I totally agree with that. Like pop culture seems to be, like, how you like policy follows popular opinion, I mean, largely, and business follows popular opinion largely. So like people like the Kardashians or Kanye or whomever who can like shift the conversation, I think that they have a type of power that is that no amount of money can buy.
0: Absolutely. And I I think that what we're lacking is a vision of an actual vision of what a, a happy future would look like. True, no vision. Yes, like yeah. There was uh, the the modern. I think they were called the Futurists. The Italian Futurists. Uh, Marinetti was one of the Italian Futurists, and he envisioned this like future where like every basically an Art Deco future. Everything was going to be like beautiful and modern, and planes were going to be shimmering in the sky, and everything was going to be like comfortable, and human beings were just going to like th- like thrive in modernity, and it was mm-hmm. just going to be like like beautiful and clean. And it is like that for like a really small percentage of the population. Right. But, you know, he pictured like a future that actually, he actually tried to envision a future that was real. And I think that, I don't think people even have the courage to do that anymore. It seems
1: like it's gotten too easy. Like uh, we need struggle, we need contrast. And it's this constant, unfettered access to dopamine unfettered access to entertainment to drugs to anything is very corrosive like sisyphus like enjoying yeah. pushing the the ball up the hill i we're getting to something really interesting and we have to introduce it artificially like i have to take cold showers to feel something in my life <laughs> <Like> it's <laughs> people
0: have to take semaglutide to stop eating right yeah to stop just there's just it's like it's all It's all just like consumption and convenience. I mean, it's kind of, it kind of sounds like edgy, like I'm 14, this is deep, (laughs) but uh, that's why I think these people who freak out, like, uh, do you remember Tucker Max? Yeah. Do you know what he does now? No. He runs a sheep farm, I think. Interesting. He became a farmer. He's a prepper. He thinks the world's going to end. Uh-huh. And he had that business where he made, he had books ghostwritten for like, you know, CEO type people. Okay. And then he got it in his mind that the world is is gross and dirty and, and, and we're not headed in the right direction that things are gonna collapse and he started a farm. Hmm. That's how he lives now. That's my understanding. How does he make his money? I, th- I think he banked enough and I think he actually makes money from farming. Well, that would I don't mean- know if he sells wool or what. I, it might not be sheep, maybe it's goats, but he f- has found a way to put enough money in a way where he, he lives that way. And you gotta think about the reason why I brought him up is remember his stories? they were like the most vulgar like totally (laughs) consumptive caligula-esque yeah yeah Yeah. he like got uh, uh, what we all thought was like the coolest thing coolest way you could be in college you know what i mean tons of friends like just yeah totally like uh, Bachnall, just like too much drinking like acting like a jerk and then that guy ends up being a sheep farmer and i've in another good example like similar type comedians owen benjamin owen benjamin was in a Movie with Adam Sandler. He was signed by CAA. Famous dude. He played piano, right? I've seen him live he's before. Piano comic. Yeah. yeah. Maybe yeah. with you. He's awesome. Yeah, he's funny. He's controversial now. Is he? Oh, sorry. He's not awesome. <laughs> he's really controversial. He sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't know that. <laughs> but he's on a farm in wow. Missouri, Idaho. So, but I think working in the land is something that introduces that type of scarcity that you're talking about. Right? Mm. Because... Mm-hmm. It's like something real, something tangible. You have to see things grow, crops die, uh, uh, animals die, they have to be fed, all that stuff. But I don't know, like a life where the average man, I don't know if everybody can be, I mean, that's why like Thomas Jefferson pictured the United States as like an agrarian, like all just filled with farmers. Mm. Cause I think he had a sense that that was good for people. But it's also all you could do back then. That was like the only job. Yeah, I mean, they had small cities, but yeah. <laughs>
1: like that or like you're like a horse shit shoveler. That was like <laughs> awesome.
0: Those are the two jobs. Yeah. You shovel horse shit. <laughs> or you just like throw chamber pots out of like-
1: Yeah, right. Like a horrible
0: tenement building in New York. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Or you're like a lamplighter or something dumb like I that. I wish that my like, great grandfather instead of shoveling, or great, 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 great grandfather instead of shoveling horse shit would have just been like, oh, this spot of grass in Manhattan, I'll buy this. Totally, right? <laughs> 30
1: generations of shit. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'll buy this little patch of land near this park. Right. This central park. Yeah, <laughs> this gross park filled with horse shit. <laughs> yeah, filled with, with horse shit and feces and yeah, and and like animals. Yeah, I'll just buy a little bit of land. It doesn't cost anything. Right. That's that new show uh, that's really good called The Gilded Age.
1: Oh, dude, I've been watching it. It's really good. Fire. Yeah.
0: It's really fire. Yeah,
1: it's really, really well done. Seriously, I've I've been really enjoying it. And the um the the female lead, I can't remember her name. But I'm watching, I'm going back and watching old seasons of Fargo. She's in season three of Fargo. Oh, excellent. I have been mean to watch season three of Fargo.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you, did you ever watch Downtown Abbey or Downtown Abbey? <laughs> <it>? Denton Abbey. <laughs> Denton Abbey. Uh, I did. I didn't get fully into it, but I think I watched the first season. It's good. Takes a little more, takes a little more work than Gilded. They do, they do great work. That's art though. Like that, that's a way where you're, like, I think people watch that and on some level, the pleasure of watching that is like, oh, I would love to live during that
1: you know what i like about it is like there's something really safe about structure like the structure of a social like rules feel good right
0: well so going back to art right so once you throw away all the rules
1: Mm.
0: we don't know how to, we don't know what to do Mm -hmm. you can't i mean if you don't know what axis is up and what axis is down and what's back and forth like you don't know how to move you don't know what's good what's bad it just it all becomes like a just mush it becomes yoko ono (laughs) right god if
1: if you're listening to this and you haven't gone pause now i don't even care if you come back just go listen to yoko ono (laughs) um you're back we're sorry (laughs) welcome back yeah (laughs) sorry (laughs) go get an advil (laughs) get a drink
0: the she's dead right
1: i think she's alive
0: oh she's still going pretty sure kicking i think she's still oh you're right she's still doing yeah still doing it still doing her wonderful art god bless her (laughs) god bless you yoko ono. <laughs> yeah bumping on spotify yoko Ono. <laughs> sorry what were you gonna say uh one
1: opportunity for structure and meaning is kids and family i think that's like the only one left this farming okay sure the kids and farming <laughs> <laughs> like... the military uh totally yes in a huge way that's fading though too is it yeah it's getting weird they're they're Modernizing their, yeah. yeah, dude. Martial arts when I was in martial high school, arts. like it, that's why we love MMA so much. I think. Oh, interesting because there's like a it's conclusive, there's rules, totally, it's conclusive. There's a hierarchy, the the, discipline. This guy beat that guy, he's on top. Yeah, yeah, that makes and the discipline is huge for it. Yeah, I know how silly I looked doing martial arts in high school, but I'm so grateful for that experience. That's awesome. Yeah, I don't think he looks silly.
0: I think it was dope. I think people just hate when people I just people just hate. <laughs> haters. People just hate, dude. People yeah. just hate when anybody's doing anything. Right. You're just supposed to just sit there and smoke weed or something. I don't know. I don't <laughs> right. know what's like, cool. You care about something? Yeah, you care about something when you lame. So I bet that's even weird. worse for Gen Z. I bet oh. caring about something is so uncool. Totally. Like all you can do is
1: is hate on people for doing anything. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, even rappers are supposed to like mumble. Like you're not even oh, supposed God. to like put effort into it. Right. Like Oh, you enunciate your raps? <laughs> you so take the time to enunciate? Lame. Oh my God, the worst. Yeah, I was watching a, I was watching a thing of uh, SoundCloud rappers that have fallen off. I didn't realize there was a whole thrust of SoundCloud mm-hmm. rappers that mm-hmm. came and went. Like Lil Xan. Right, RIP.
1: He's dead, right? He's dead? No, I don't he's know. Still, he's still alive. Who's the one? There was, a, there was a SoundCloud rapper who died.
0: I'm sure there's a lot. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> little peep. Was oh a little. Peep. Little somebody. Arnie. Yeah, a little somebody. There's I can't keep track. Yeah, I mean. I'm, well, I uh, can't even keep track of like who's popular. Like right. Like I know that
1: I like Jack Harlow. Dude, I've I love Jack Harlow, man. He's legit. Have you seen Dave the Little Dickies TV show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you see? So on the most recent season, uh, Jack Harlow is on there, and he like he's got charisma. Dude he's got he's got riz
0: he's got oh jesus riz. did, it sound, did yeah. it sound good there i, I think he did that. trying right. to get the TikTok audience to, <laughs> s- to subscribe he's some riz yeah i'm sure they're gonna love when you go he's riz he
1: has <laughs> lots of <laughs> riz <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my god no he's a stud man and he released that new song uh don't give me any advice is that new i haven't heard that one. Oh, it's dope or yeah. don't need no advice or something it's it's all about like just don't give him any advice he's got shit unlocked basically (laughs) leave that guy alone i like
1: yeah i like how literal that is i appreciate that (laughs)
0: yeah totally like
1: man um so okay what i wrote down i wrote down crazy rich asians uh because i (laughs) love that movie and it has to do with what we were just talking about where i think the main like whatever thesis of crazy
0: rich asians is theme I love that you're like. <laughs> it's not gonna help. It's not gonna help at all. Okay. I just won't. Be, I, should I just not? be? It doesn't. Uh, no, I know. I'm caring. Whatever. No, I'm saying. Does it mess up the? No. Okay. It's fine. So back to Crazy Rich Asians. Uh
1: The theme is about the important. Have you seen it? No. Okay. Well. Am I messing up? D- it's good.
0: Is it good? It's good. Watch it. That's when a movie sick. I could watch with Yasi. So that's good. Yes. I always, yes. always look for stuff
1: I could watch with. Totally. Yeah. The your Venn diagram I assume doesn't overlap a lot. But no. Yes. No. She likes like puppies and. Right. Okay. So cute things. I like some, and I mean, crazy and- I liked the OC in high school. So like, yeah, me too. okay, good. So maybe I you did. like this. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's definitely a chick flick, but whatever. The central theme of it, I'm trying to give no spoilers.
0: <laughs> I'm going to be mad if I watch this and it's not good now. Cause I'm actually <laughs> committing to it. So. <laughs> is, uh, you're out, you're out over your skis here. <laughs> the, we'll see. We'll
1: see. It's the importance of family over self. It's like uh, someone from the Western culture comes into an Eastern family and is very American in their ideals. And like, I want this for me and I wanna be able to pursue uh, my career. Okay, okay. Then the Eastern family is basically saying, we don't really want you here because we sacrifice for our family. Like it's family first, then us. And the movie is all about kind of like them wrestling with that theme. Yeah. And it... The more time passes and the more that I think about stuff I'm like, dude, Crazy Rich Asians was really was really um
0: was really lit. <laughs> fire. The movie was fire. It <laughs> was fire. What's even another cool word? Uh uh No Cap. Well, I haven't even heard that one. You heard no, no cap. No cap dude, You are old. What? No cap just means like I'm not lying. No what? cap what? What? I don't know, no cap. Oh bro. No cap. Okay. I'll try to think of You're more. capping if you're lying. <laughs> That's what it is, you're capping. Is frontin'
1: still a thing? No, okay. no, all man, right, we're well. so
0: fast frontin'. All right, well. I act like I know, I don't <laughs> yeah. know, I'm just, I'm just ripping on you. Front that's might funny. be back for all I know. Right. It's funny, I, I feel like when I, the slang I use, when I listen to like prison YouTube channels and someone went to jail in like the 2000s, that's like, that's about the.
1: Are you listening to those a lot? Yeah. <laughs> it's like what you do on YouTube? Like a
0: lot. <laughs> There's a channel called Fresh Out by Uh, Big Herc, and he interviews like people. Oh, you're serious? Oh, I'm dead serious. I thought, okay, yeah. Oh, no, they did a ton of time, people who did a ton of time and like hardcore level four yards where it's like stab or be stabbed. Not quite that, but like everyone's grouped up, clicked up. I I I actually know some jail slang. Yeah, there you go. I know uh, Fifi. Oh, that's a a
1: a little thing, right? False. Yeah, prosthetic. It's a prosthetic. um... (laughs) Self- adulation how do i not yeah dude there we go okay i was trying to find a way to not have to cut it whatever we said (laughs) yeah that's what that is i know uh send it was like a very or
0: no shoot it shoot it is like send it in jail yeah 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 because you shoot you shoot lines like people throw lines oh okay i don't know where it came from they fish from one one to another it's like the old white guy cast right now but yeah there's there's fishing there's um but i dude the whole point is i love those channels there's like nate dog 916 who did a lot of time he's from norcal really really like well spoken guy there's another guy called homie hangout who is a northern mexican guy who's also really 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 entertaining i love those channels i can't get enough cuz i feel like they lived through really difficult circumstances and somehow made the best of it, came uh-huh. out of it. And there's a sort of discipline. And if you want to talk about rules, there's rules in prison. Yeah. And well, that's why people prefer it sometimes, right? Like people struggle when they get out. There people keep going back for that. Yeah. yeah they get institutionalized because it's just easier to just be like, I got. I just I can count on this. I know this world. People make money. Like people make serious money. Who've been like slammed down. Like well, I guess they don't really have the shoe anymore. But like the they were like locked in the hole for thirty years, and they're making money. Like sending it out on the streets, like tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands. Of By just providing services inside the walls of the jail. By running the people who run the people who run. Like it's that crazy. Wow. Like people people locked in like the hole would call someone getting killed in Southern California. Like locked in the hole in Pelican Bay would would put out a hit and someone would die in Southern California. Whoa. That's the chain of communication and the chain of command. Isn't that crazy? Wow. It's like very militant. That's impressive. Super militant, that's the word. That's the really hardcore guys are militant. And it's like, I've listened, I've even listened to like, dude, I can't believe we're getting into this. I'd nerd out on this stuff so hard. I've listened to like uh, gang officers uh-huh. who, deal with these people, the different, the top tier guys. And how he described it is like baseball, how you have like a farm team being the gang members on the street. Yeah. Then you have they get in there and they're like they get into jail and that's like double A. And then if they get identified as potentially useful or skilled, they're like triple A. And then when you get in, that's like being in the majors. Huh. And though and they how they how they control what happens on the streets is if you're a Southern California, Northern California gang member, you're likely to go to jail. So if you don't follow their orders, if you don't follow their direction, then when you get in jail, you're gonna get smashed Mm -hmm. or killed. So you really got all this lying down. uh, Yeah. So they, that's how they enforce. That's how they're able to enforce things on the street is because they control where all these people are gonna end up even for a short period of time. If the order comes out like, hey, this guy didn't kick down, like he didn't kick money to us, didn't kick up to us, get him. And then, then you go to jail, you get picked up for a warrant or, you know, tail line, anything, you're done.
1: Wow. So they
0: are able from sometimes for a long time they were locked in solitary confinement and they were able to run prison gangs here or r- run things that happen on the street in like a very real way. Wow. Isn't that crazy. Yes. I don't know, it just blows my mind. I I've read books on it, like I studied like the key figures and when people turn and start informing, and it just fascinates me because how the how militant do you have to be right to put together a structure like that? Do you think like okay?
1: One of us goes to jail. Like, it's obviously over. <laughs> like, uh, can you, or is it possible to arrange
0: for protection ahead of time? I don't, no, I don't think you need to arrange for protection. I mean, I think. You need to carry yourself well, but I don't think you just get smashed for just going. That's not my impression, that mm-hmm. you would just get smashed just for being like a regular. I mean, you it would be odd that you never got in any trouble your whole life and then ended up in like state. You're talking about like state prison? I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The feds are different. But like if you were to go to like a white collar fed prison, those are pretty light. Oh, but Like, but like it, a level four. Like if you committed a violent crime. Like let's say you, the the classic example is like if you did a DUI with an injury. Okay, because that's considered a violent crime, I think. Right, I don't know if they've changed that, but a lot of people go end up going to level fours, and all they were doing was just they drove I, drunk one time. I have a friend who I won't name him on here, but like I have a friend who
1: wasn't even drunk, just got into an accident, hurt somebody, some person passed away, and through lots of extra circumstances ended up classified as a level three so for people who don't know there are four levels i believe it's level one two or more minimum security level three four more intense but they often put three and four together so he got sent to a level three four prison
0: and his cellmate was, and he might have been like in the gym which is level three and then the like the 180s like with the cells are level four or something like that that's how they do it sometimes
1: so he was It's like a point i know there's a, there's a point system right and he was like one point over to be classified level three but his cellmate was a level four guy who like murdered his wife and was like crazy and attacked him and like Mm. yeah yeah
0: Yeah, but so i guess if you're if you're saying like you commit a violent crime you're in that situation you go to like a level three or level four i think you're gonna have to do some stuff that you're not comfortable with but i don't think you're just attacked for being who you are like they're gonna think of you as like another asset as long as you hold yourself well and you're willing mm-hmm. to like get your hands dirty a little bit. I remember there like were you gotta times, defend yourself, you know. Well, and you have to
1: like. you told me that there were times where people would be like, "Hey, we're fighting this other group." Yep. Um, at lunch today. Get down. And if you don't, like, you have to like, you have no choice. No choice. But to start attacking people because you're on your own then. Right. They you're on will, your own, then. They will. And the reason that everybody does it is because they will hurt you way worse. If you don't participate, like. yeah.
0: Well, and it, there's safety in numbers too. It there, it's like that way. It's actually, in a sick way, it's like that way to keep people safe to some extent. Oh, because there, it's so weird. California being this super liberal state has totally racially divided gangs. Right, like totally racially determined gangs, and there was a lot of, you know, instances of people getting picked on or hurt or killed or or assaulted or extorted. So these groups started to form, and they're safety in numbers. Mm. So they enforce a code of conduct. They make sure, for example, if someone gets way into they don't you don't get way into debt to another group, Mm. you know, because Mm. that can cause a riot. You know, there's lots of things. So basically, if you have a beef with somebody of another group, you usually get smashed by your own people. Interesting, because you because otherwise it's if it's between groups, it's full on, right? But in within your own group, you know, there's like a you know they'll. But they can keep the peace. It's like the one guy who screwed yeah. up gets beat up by
1: his own gang instead of- It's like, we'll take care of it. Yeah. 80 people getting hurt a in a massive riot. skirmish.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Interesting. Dude, I follow it too closely. <laughs> I respect those guys. That's what it is. I respect those guys for having gone, especially the guys that come out and start a YouTube channel and live a good life and change their life. Like I have a lot of respect for that. that that's that gotta take a monumental amount of effort to to put that stuff behind you.
1: Yeah, to lose that structure to have and to have the stigma that comes once you get out like
0: to find gainful employment I imagine is extremely difficult yeah I think you come to my house and fix something is what I've noticed (laughs) (laughs) everyone come here and charge me two thousand dollars for a five hundred dollar job is what it seems like well they figured it out they're making more money than all of us I know dude that's why they're killing it that's why they got time for YouTube right god I wish I knew how to HVAC Okay, wait. Back to uh, what we
1: were saying about uh, art in history. So I'm I'm reading the um, Will and Ariel Durant, um, the the short one, the history of philosophy. No, that's next. I'm uh, the other one, history of just the history of the world. History of the world, I think it's like the
0: hundred page. Yeah. Whatever. He married her when she was like thirteen. I always think of that. It's so funny. Well, <laughs> I wasn't gonna. And bring they it worked up. together. Yeah. Like they worked. That that's. That's that, that's that. those red books up there. It's I know we can't see it on the camera, I think, but those are, those. are that's Will and Ariel, they
1: wrote a history of the world, it's like their full composition. Right, so they, they, that's like a massive volume and then they made like a 100 page. I totally know, yeah, I've yeah, seen yeah. it, yeah. So uh, also, I. so you told me the that thing about her being 13 or whatever, and I looked it up. So this, I mean, still not cool, but it was like, the late 1800s or something right like it was a long time ago yeah
0: yeah it was yeah okay absolutely. it wasn't <laughs> no it wasn't, wasn't recently like, yeah this was in the 80s okay. yeah this, these are old books yeah <laughs> yeah i think it cuts off like before world war one because it hadn't happened yet or something right <laughs>
1: right okay yeah yeah so it's just like a tease what is in your opinion kyle's opinion what is the role of aesthetics and art in cultures like going back to
0: whenever like what why do we do it why? Why do we do? Why do humans per, like? Why do we do? Why do? Why do we do works of art? Or why do we like art? Or what is the question exactly? Because it's a, it's just it's hard for me to wrap my head around. I don't know if I have an answer. I don't know what my question is. Uh, like when you can clarify. Well, like it. compositions? Like why do we do compositions? I don't know. Why do we like beautiful things? I think it's I think it's inborn. There are many leaders
1: who have uh, prioritized art. Like many great yeah
0: people in the past. Like you need look. art okay why oh well why does a leader need art that's way easier because you need it for you need it to if you want to have a strong healthy population you show them good like a loyal population vigorous, loyal yeah loyal population you if you want them to be vigorous in war and if you want to be vigorous in industry then you show them like positive vigorous art that's like why when you see old soviet art of like people in the fields like people in factories and stuff like the idea was to inspire i mean there was way bigger problems under Soviet. That's what I've been reading about lately is communism, mm-hmm. life under communism. But the idea is to inspire a population to be more virtuous. And that's what Plato said. Plato uh. said that art was super dangerous because it could inspire man to men to be a masculine. Mm-hmm. He even said music was dangerous. He just, he just saw it as a very dangerous thing. I don't think he was right about it to say that we just should not use it at all. If we take it out of that and just let's talk about like the billboard, Hot 100, like whatever is the most popular music. Does today. art reflect life, or does life reflect art? Yeah, what you're saying. Like, yeah. is is that music was, that we prefer? There's a good quote. So Bertold Brecht was like, I think an art critic and a philosopher and a socialist, but he said, uh, "Art is not a mirror with which to reflect society, but a hammer with which to shape it." Oh, I don't know if I agree with that. Right, but that is one view of art. I'll say huh. is that you use art to shape. People, because it's almost like looking into like a funhouse mirror. It's like, how should I look? That actually makes you look better. What should I aspire to?
1: This may have been more true when uh, rulers had more say over what art was elevated and popular, right? Because it is—it feels a lot more democratic now. At least the art that's available to us. Like, I don't know how much more decentralized,
0: for sure. Right. I think they've lost control over like a central art producing. You know, like you would have, like, you know, if you were like a great leader in Greece, you'd have you'd hire bards to like, or, or or like in the Middle Ages, you'd have bards like sing your songs if you're like a baron, and then right. like, you know, at court to talk about how great you were. Yeah, and like, I think we still have some of that. I still think they prioritize certain art over others, but you're right; it's it's decentralized, and that's why I think we've all gotten kind of decentralized.
1: So I wonder then if in that way it's more democratic, where like the art that is popular is at least, because people are making every kind of art for every kind of emotion, and maybe the stuff that makes it to the top of the charts is just the art that is
0: best reflecting our current feelings. Taylor Swift, Mm -hmm. great example.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Had a friend tell me the other day, he's like, you know how crazy popular she is? Are you aware?
1: Me? Yeah, she's like the number, she's like number one, she's the GOAT, not even close. It's crazy.
0: Yeah. I didn't know that, so I found that out. Yeah. Crazy popular, and Someone was like, she's a poet for hookup culture. Oh. So she reflects hookup culture, Tinder, Hinge, Bumble. Mm-hmm. She reflects it back to them, gives it substance, gives it some kind of meaning and and gives it back to them. And that's what she is, she's a hookup culture poet.
1: I don't know what culture he'd be considered a part of, but I've thought that uh... This isn't that hot of a take, but I think that uh, history will remember Joe Rogan as kind of like the Plato of our time or the something. Like he is the most. And that he writes down what other smart people say? Because <laughs> that's what Plato did. <laughs> or whatever. I don't know. Pick your philosopher, but he's like, he is the philosopher of our time in that he has the loudest megaphone for spreading ideas. And the most people consume his ide. like more people consume and discuss his ideas
0: than anybody else does joe i i'm not hating on him at all but does he have does he have a lot of his own ideas or does uh, he just kind of as a megaphone for other people? i know i know he has like there's like the ethos like he's like you know cold plunges and mma and you know that's com- comedy but does he actually like put forth a lot of like his own ideas he seems like he's really good at not doing that almost
1: what is well? okay this gets into like what is original thought like everything I think everybody and everything is derivative. Right? No, but I, but I mean, does he actually take a stand on things, really? I think he does. Yeah. I think he does. He, uh, what's this? Sometimes in a way that gets him in a lot of trouble, sometimes I agree, sometimes I don't agree, but like, uh, he, I don't know, whatever the issue is. He like, he does, okay. I thought he was more neutral. Like, I don't watch him a ton, so I thought he was more neutral. It depends on the topic, probably. Like, he tries to take, I think he does make an effort to see both sides <clears throat> he's like vaguely libertarian right yes and he goes and he looks at like what are what's everybody saying what's the Twitter sphere saying and then he'll usually like take all that and mix it together and then come
0: up with his own take on it I, I i will say i i think he's authentic yeah i don't i think that's why he's had st- lasting staying power because i don't think he tries to like read the room right. and just say what other people want to hear i think he really is i think he's probably just a genuinely super likable extrovert mm-hmm yeah. Like he's a guy who just like is really good at maintaining relationships with people, really mm-hmm. good at not rubbing people the wrong way, good at well, asserting he's himself good when he at needs that to. Anymore. Well, he rubs people in power the wrong way, but they everything rubs them the wrong way. Sure. Yeah, they're they're grouchy.
1: He's also like the true goat of like freeform conversation. I listened to him <clears throat> it's kind of inside baseball, but been listening to him for cues, I'm like, okay, if I wanna get better at the medium of conversation, how do I do that? And I listen to him talking to Post Malone and he sits down with him. <laughs> Another cool guy. <laughs> right? <laughs> Super authentic. Totally. And he starts asking Post Malone questions and he does this thing, Rogan does this thing really intuitively where he just starts fishing for topics. So he he said like, oh man, uh, this thing is so crazy. And he was talking about some current event that happened. And Post Malone was like, oh yeah, crazy. Like he didn't have anything to add on that. And Rogan said, yeah, I know, right? Anyway, you know what else I saw? And he fished in like 60 seconds. He put out three different lines and he went broader and broader each time. And then he's like, man, the music industry today, is just so crazy, right? To give Post Malone the most broad thing ever to pick up on. And then he did. And then they found a, uh, whatever, a the thread—a A thread. Thank you. So, Rogan, I think that's another part of his success is he's just like so unbelievably good at finding threads with anybody on any topic. He's put a lot of hours into it. To, yes, he's more than ten thousand hours for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I I think that I, you're you're so going back to your claim of him being the philo- a philosopher or the philosopher of our time. I think that goes back to the question of high culture and low culture, and I think that there's. There there's a class system that naturally forms in in human societies. I think there's mm-hmm. the Indians have it right, or in India they have it right, mm-hmm. and they have you know the Brahmin caste. I forget what the middle ones called, and then all the way down to the Untouchables. Mm-hmm. The British had it. They have it more than us. We have it less so than almost any other than a lot of cultures, but we still have it. And there used to be culture for the masses and culture for the aristocrat, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that, I don't know where Joe Rogan falls on that spectrum. I think that there is like, he's like that solid bourgeoisie, upper middle class, like he creates art for the solidly middle class or aspiring to be upper middle class bourgeoisie mindset.
1: Mm. He does seem to be like, he will he packages complex ideas for the masses which I think is that he'll take somebody who is a really smart professor a really good thinker who is just Weinstein or something like too that. much of a nerd for people to ever listen to what they have to say yeah bring them on and like force them to translate for a larger audience
0: yeah so, yeah well like and I would take I would see him in the middle and like take no jumper as like more who's that n- no jumper. He, he interviews all the rappers and like has like uh, thoughts on there and like oh, okay. he had like Crip we'll Mac on there and yeah. who's now in jail, RIP Crip Mac. And it's, he is like, you're working at Burger King and you're watching it on your cell phone while you're like, right. like that kind of like just easy to consume, crazy, like hyper-sexualized. He has like, he does porn too, but he's got a massive, massive channel. He's got like 10, I don't know, Thirty million followers, whatever he gets, millions and millions of hits. He has fifty different podcasts. He interviews every rapper, every. I guess they're just. <laughs> I don't know, like what's it called? Like they just like have ch- like right. porn stars on there. Like he's yeah, like yeah. porn stars and like chicks you've never heard of, and they just have conversation. And so I would say he's like, if I'm if we're using the class system, he's like even more common. Mm. And then I think that there's there's you start to get above Rogan and start to get into stuff that's would be considered more aristocratic requiring maybe more of an education more difficult to adhere to but i don't i don't know because i don't think that the line is super clear because rogan does have some super super high level thinkers on there and like you said he makes it approachable but he also has some people that are like you know you get post Malone no no hate on post Malone but that's something that just the average person would just like love to listen to and watch he has Neil deGrasse Tyson who's like not a real scientist and is a total idiot and like some people think he's like a, you know a genius and he's you'd be you'd have to be pretty common to think that so I don't know I, I I think entertainment you can't have one entertainment that works for all for all classes of society is what I'm saying right I'll say I don't know that there's more value. Like, substack would be, like, as you get higher up there. Sure, sure. People that, I was trying stuff. to think what's at the, yeah, yeah, yeah like, yeah. like, little substack creators where you start to nerd out on, like, real specific, right? you know. Right. On this,
1: okay, uh, on the notion of high versus low, there was a quote, uh, I just remembered it while you we were talking, in that uh, Will and Ariel Durant book that, I don't have the exact quote, but the idea was, People want equality, in uh, very much so in our current society. Equality is a very, very important value. But what he said that seems very self-evident now that he said it, but I was it blew my mind when I read it. Is that equality is in like direct opposition to liberty? That liberty yeah. and equality are yeah. fundamentally opposed to each other. Yeah, and that was like.
0: And people have made that connection now. Before okay. you could sneak inequality in the back door, not that you wanna sneak it in, but it would come in the back door because you'd be like, just let people be free. And then and then all these differences would form. You'd have CEOs and you'd have people go to jail and prison and be poor, right? And, and everything in the middle. And now the, I think the, the newest wave of philosophy and academia realizes that if you, they started using a different word. They use the word equity now, because mm. if you give everybody equal opportunity, you don't get equal outcomes. Mm-hmm. So now they're trying to equalize outcomes too. right? Because liberty by its very nature is always gonna make people unequal. Cause some people are gonna work hard, some people are not, some people are beautiful, some people are ugly. right? That's why it's such a danger, it's considered a dangerous idea. That's why America was so successful. That's why it's also so dangerous and they're kind of changing it. Well, that's what, so it seems like
1: th- there's this expansion and contraction that is historically inevitable where you have liberty and you allow those differences to take shape and allow people to run away with it and so then you get the division of classes right and then you get a very rich set of people who do build the economy and i mean on the backs of others and it you get massive inequality so yes a rising tide lifts all ships and that you know the poorest people in the us are still doing better than the median people in much less developed countries yeah but when you get that massive inequality, that's when revolutions happen, right? Like it, it's almost impossible to, I don't know, are there any examples historically of big
0: societies with inequality where there wasn't some sort of revolution? Yeah, <laughs> so, no, okay. not really. I mean, I don't, not that I can think of it. Le- I mean, it just, all I can think about right now is I've been reading, uh, have you heard of the Gulag Archipelago by no. Solzhenitsyn? Uh-uh. Okay, this dude lives under communism. Yeah gets sent to the gulags, mm. horrible, gets interrogated, tortured, admits to a crime that he didn't commit. They were just arresting people as like quotas basically. Gets sent to the gulag, has to live life under the gulag. under, And then he writes a three volume, probably 2000 page work in his head while he's doing back breaking labor in the gulag. Gets out, writes it down, wins a Nobel prize and it was really it was about life under soviet communism mm-hmm. and the that idea that marx came up with that society materially and always ends up in revolution and always ends up in to socialism or communism he he basically said that's the natural progression of history that it's science that was his thing it's science that you have a, like a libertarian economy and then it goes to socialism and then it'll eventually be a communist utopia that little thread that little idea that he came up with and he wasn't very rigorous in his thinking and whatever controlled half the world like like communism i mean china's still i know it's in name communist but you know you had mao you had, i mean hundreds more people died on the back of that idea than any other idea ever and mm. i I can't get over that fact. Side how uh, like of starvation, well, yeah, I mean, like hold of mordor, like they they starved all the cool. I mean, they killed they killed people outright. Like Stalin killed people outright. Lenin killed people outright. They starved Ukraine because they had independent farmers who didn't want to give up their farm didn't want to socialize their land. They were starved um. Pol Pot just killed people. Mao just killed people. Remember Mao? uh, He saw some birds eating grain. I I don't know if this is apocryphal, but he saw some birds eating grain, and he's like, "Oh, we need to get our wheat yields up. Let's kill all the birds." So they (laughs) killed all the birds. Then they had they got overrun with bugs, and it's a famine, and like fifty million people die of famine. Wow. So the the death total of I don't know if that's exact, but he he tried to run the economy. The thing is, is liberty always works because there's an infinite amount of inputs. You have all these individual actors doing individual things, setting individual prices, having individual relationships, billions of interactions. A central a centralized authority can never even get close to that, can never approach that. Totally, can never have that kind of data set. So what you're saying is is interesting that that I think revolution does come, but I kind of wonder. No, I don't, I don't think it comes. I, I think in a post-communism society, we have that idea that's very deeply deeply ingrained in us what idea that revolutions always come that 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 the the top needs to get cut off it needs to get overthrown and everything needs to get shaken up i i think prior to marx you didn't really get that I mean, it, it happened like with the French Revolution, and you know, the, the royalty in the 1700s—they started getting knocked over. But prior to that, I think people stayed in power for like a long time. Rome lasted like a long time. <laughs> Alexander the Great lasted like a long time. You know, the monarchy, the czars of Russia—they lasted a long time. The king and queen of England—they lasted a long time. But now we have this idea that everything has to get overthrown, that there's always going to be a revolution, that things need to be redivided, and I—I I think it's dangerous. There was another interesting thought in this book
1: about uh, the historically the social structures that worked the best were um, monarchies, but they were like meritocratic monarchies where uh, monarchy is in many ways the best way to keep order in a society if the monarch is good. And the only way to do that, it can't pass through lineage. It has to be meritocratic.
0: So you like select the next emperor or king or whatever. Have you ever heard the theory that the king is actually the true ally of the people and it's the oligarchy that surrounds him, the nobles that are the the actual enemy of the people? I haven't, but I have- watch game of thrones so. <laughs> well oh is that that is that a <laughs> oh, thing? I know, yeah, kind, of, one, kind of
1: king robert seemed like he was pretty pretty all right pretty dope yeah, yeah.
0: well because because the king actually has the power and the authority and he's one person he's one point of control so mm-hmm. he, he he has a natural ally to his people it's these nobles or the oligarchy like the billionaires that you're talking about that actually end up being that really like kind of weaselly mm. you know self-serving self-dealing class mm-hmm. that that you can never get your hands around because you don't even know who they are, right. all of them. Yeah, You don't know who owns every bank. You don't know who makes every de- right? You don't mm-hmm. know every decision like that. But a king, you could just be like, hey, chop all their heads off, and he'll be like, okay, got you, bet. Right. <laughs> Dude, there's another slang, bet. I know, it's bet. bet. <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: funny. Yeah, so I don't know. I mean, what's do you think that uh, if a democracy is, and obviously this is up for debate, but if a democracy really is uh, uh, just the will of the people, right? In some ways it is, I guess. Uh, Are we doomed to repeat history? Yes.
0: All right. We're (laughs) fucked. (laughs) Totally fucked. End of podcast. Yeah. End of... No, I I think people are realizing this, but I don't think democracy uh, works as an idea. I just, I don't, I think the, like we get our idea of democracy from Athens, right? Okay. It was a, democracy works... I've said this, small population, educated, super tight, similar interests. But you you try this like mass democracy thing where you have just basically 51% of people can vote to steal 49% of people's shit. Mm-hmm. It's not a good setup. <laughs> right. not a good setup. People also are like, how much time do people do to research what they vote on or what they think? Right. I, and, and, and 99% of our government's unelected anyway. It's run by bureaucrats. That's right. who really runs the American empire is a bureaucracy. It's the state department. It's it's all the agencies. And those people don't go away. You don't vote those people out. Well, you wouldn't in a monarchy either. Right, but you could appeal to somebody. Mm.
1: You're saying you, you in in a monarchy, you can appeal to the king to get or stuff- Or kill him. Or a queen to get stuff done. Yeah, or, or kill him. I'm sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's sure. like you have one neck. Have you ever heard of the phrase one one neck choke? mm hmm Oh yeah, it's like I have one throat to choke. Ah, uh, interesting. It's like you have one throat to choke. It's like you're accountable to your people. And if you don't do something about it, then you're you're screwed. A benign dictator is, is definitely the best way. And I, I don't think people, people don't think long-term either. If you were like, hey, make all taxes zero, which I would love. See, I'd <laughs> vote for that, right? Right, <laughs> sure. The dollar would we it would be right. done. tomorrow. Totally. we'd be totally done. Yes. So I, I, you know, I don't really even know how democracy works in principle. It's funny that democracy is a good word, but politics is a bad word, even though they come together. Is there an example
1: historically of a monarchy that had such a large and diverse
0: population under it? The yeah yeah, I think the uh, the English monarchy, right? They were, yes, was so they had all their. Whatever. Yeah, where the sun never sets on the British Empire. Right, they had yeah, they had they had uh, holdings in Africa, holdings in South America, in the United States, in China. They had you know big parts of China. They had India, the Raj or whatever in India. Yeah, they they ran a mass and they ran it pretty well. Did they okay. for the time? Yeah, huh. I mean there there was a, you know it was a. It was an ugly time. We weren't we weren't as civilized, but it, it like in terms of like water and education and food and just things working that had actually worked. When they left, things kind of in some places fell apart. Hmm, Interesting. It's not a popular theory. Well, obviously, yeah. Let it be known, I'm not pro colonialism or whatever. But, it's,
1: <laughs> but the idea of I mean, there's one throat to choke, I guess.
0: Well, and it's going back to art because there. I think a monarchy is sort of a natural and beautiful thing. There's like an aesthetic to it. There's like a like a chosen leader for a group of people that has their best interests at heart. And he's like as opposed to just like this kind of soulless bureaucratic machine that just does what what is it exactly? I don't even what is our government exactly? Like is it a business? Is it a is it who who does it really represent? Is it a, is it an agency? What what is, I, I don't really know what to even Aesthetically, like what to even call. You're what saying do you it doesn't stand it? for anything. There's no soul to it. Yeah.
1: And so, that would be different with monarch.
0: Yeah. Have you seen those crowns, those scepters, <laughs> and the thrones? I mean, it's a natural human thing in a population. You have an alpha, right? You have right. like a, it's a yes. it's a human. We don't we don't like when men get together in a group. You don't like elect like a council. Like right. like you don't say like these five people are going to talk and make decisions and they're going to sub you know, they're gonna delegate decisions to sub teams. It's like, you usually have like a leader, right? It's pretty natural. Yeah. 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 And I think it's also, it's just, it seems to work better historically. Like we had an emperor of Rome, you know, we have, I mean, the United States, yeah, we don't need to go there. The United States was almost like, was tried to be even more democratic initially. And it was like a disaster. Was it like a direct vote? Yeah, pretty much. It was called the Articles of Confederation. It was like, each state is just its own deal. Mm and very, very, very little centralized power in government. And then no one talks about that period. And then you get the Constitution. There's mm-hmm. like a period before that, but I don't know. I feel like we got off track. Okay, yeah, well, I'm going look at my notes. I'm gonna take a deep breath. Yeah, I, okay, so let's talk about, let's it, actually let's talk about this. Let's talk about why it's so hard to talk about that. Talk about what? Uh, to talk about uh, egalitarianism in governments. Oof, all right. <laughs> Hit me. No, no, no. No, I'm, I'm gonna go a totally different direction. Okay. I, I think it's just, it's something that we're not supposed to, I, I don't think it's something that it's like natural for regular people to have to think about how a billion people are ruled or 300 million
1: people are ruled. <laughs> I guess it's not natural for anybody ever to think about this.
0: Yeah, right. it's just the numbers are just too big, dude. Yeah. It's just too fucking big. Like yeah. like you start to get to the point where there's so many people, like it, it has to just be a little more localized and like, I just don't think you could administer that big of like a group. So it's I'm only going to when... keep getting bigger, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, no, no. I think it's going to fall apart. I think it's going <laughs> to. I think it's going to fall apart. I think we're going to be. I think we're going to see a problem, like a a problem come in the next like fifty years with, like some kind of American crisis, like some kind of crisis of leadership.
1: I would guess that that's only going to happen if somebody gets a bigger army than us. Yeah, well, I, I think it's gonna happen if something happens to the dollar, but. Well, oh, sure, there's a, a Rick and Morty episode where <laughs> they just set like the price of money, they change it from one to zero, and they're like, what is that, that's not gonna do anything, and then they're like, wait, all my money went from one to zero? And then the guy's just like, shoots himself in the head.
0: <laughs> Have you followed Dan Hartman lately?
1: Like, what uh, is not, Oh, yeah, he has a new show, called crapopolis or something's pretty good Uh, not much though why what's he up to
0: no i don't know you always talk to me about the story circle stuff and that stuff is is super super interesting to me i think like that's uh like uh joseph campbell hero with a thousand faces
1: it's just a repackaging of that same exact like hero's journey in dan harman's he just basically like used synonyms in all of the same quadrants is that what he did i mean i don't want to yeah but it's not like he's like pretending he, that yeah, was he, admits, plot. he admits he ripped off yeah, it's not a secret it's like these are the tenets of story and he thinks about it a little bit differently and it works really well
0: yeah i uh i don't know man writing stories like that every week it would be it'd be really really hard he's obviously really really good at it have you seen the episode where he uh where he does the die hard with summer doing Die <laughs> yeah, hard?
1: yeah i just watched that one again actually yeah
0: so good He's excellent yeah he's it's funny that uh like the these people that have to to put this stuff out every week and they have to like bring little bits of culture in like die hard like i like what do you i don't know i it's just this like same problem we talk about is like how do you get how do you how do you write something for 300 million people i just don't know how you do it anymore without making it super like low right well i mean they definitely
1: have that it's like it's love island or whatever is that what it is well i don't know i don't watch love island but it's like you know (laughs) Whatever he watches, I know, I just kidding. like whatever. Like Netflix, I feel like, has gotten very good at this. Where most except for the crown, the crown is unbelievable. Have you been watching The Crown? I haven't. Is it good? Oh, dude, yes. If you are into The Gilded Age, you're gonna love The Is crown. that just about Queen Victoria? It's uh, it's about modern days, it's like Queen Elizabeth. Oh, and it ends so the last, so they do it's six seasons right now, like actually maybe today or something is like the final uh, four or five episodes of the final season are coming out. Yeah. Uh, so it's very timely. The They do six seasons, the, each two seasons they get an entirely new cast to play the same people. So seasons one and two, it's uh, Queen Elizabeth when she ascends to power, when she's like 30 or 20 or whatever it was. And then seasons three and four, or. When she's middle aged I think it's Olivia Coleman. Plays what's so
0: inter- like? What's so interesting about it about her life? She well, it's all it a about, really weird time. It's about
1: all of so they cover like uh, the dissolution of the British Empire. Okay, yeah, and uh, yeah, you know, the, them on their like final tour. I feel of like a bummer. Colonies. I mean, it's a dark show. Is it dark? Yes. It sounds like a bummer. It's brilliantly shot though. It's like gorgeous. Oh, like okay. they spent a fortune on it. It's like. It's a, it's a really artistic, like, poetic show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they cover, um, they also cover, like, affairs. And Do they, they show where they killed Princess Diana? They do. This season. Spoilers. Where they kill Princess Diana doesn't make it. Oh, 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 where they MI6 <laughs> assassin? <her>. Yeah. <laughs> they make her crash in a Parisian tunnel? Uh, they do. So this is, uh, right now, they are doing the Princess Diana and Dodie fight Fayed, 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 and oh yeah 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 the time on the yacht that they spent together and it's like it is kind of she cucked him kind of
0: uh who uh was it uh wh- who was she married to mcdrawn blank time. oh uh william was it william w- yeah no w- william's his son right yeah you're right
1: um and Dude, he's the king. Whoever yeah. the king of England yeah. is. <laughs> yeah, Jesus, I'm drawing a total blank. Whatever, I'm glad that we both forgot. Screw that guy. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah I'm like that dude. Well, But also
0: to be fair, he was, because she like cooked him with like a, like a, was he a sheik?
1: Uh, it was, so it was the son of a guy who's really, really rich. He like owned Herod's. He made his money being like a kind of a shady broker with a bunch of like, um, like pseudo dictators. And, Oh okay. Uh, but then like wanted to kind of buy his way into society, he bought Herod's, And so his son, he basically like sent his son out like, Hey, go
0: get uh, in with
1: princess died This is like my ticket to like be in
0: that. That's literally the same story as a, going from like high culture to low culture, I'm reading a book called uh, The Way We Live by Anthony Trollope and Mm -hmm. it's about British society and Mm -hmm. it's about that status seeking. Mm -hmm. And like people like, like this one kid is just like, his name is Felix. He's like, just like a piece of garbage, but all his mom wants him to do is marry an heiress. Uh So he's like trying to land an heiress and the family that he's married into made their, money in a shady way uh, so it's just it's just kind of like showing just like just shady on top of shady and just like that whole like the it does this yeah it does it well the, them trying to buy their way into society and they can't do it
1: yeah well i mean spoiler they kind of they do they kind of get in i don't know how far into it are you not to where they got in oh well i gotta like, know where they're getting boxed out okay they they they. i mean yeah they they get in and then they're out and they I mean, there wouldn't be any conflict in the show if, if they weren't but yeah. yeah. Similar
0: theme of like people trying to climb that ladder. Dude, what about just people wearing clothes more? Like what? like wearing suits and shit all the time and like being dressed. I
1: really Crazy. like this. If I, if I thought I could pull it off, I would wear a suit more. You would? I think so. I like the discipline of it. I like the, like Lex Friedman says that he does it just because he wants
0: to be professional. It works for him. Totally. It does work for him. I saw him talking about his dad recently. That was super interesting. I, I think his dad passed and he- Recently? Uh, I don't know if it was, no, I don't think it was recently, but he he like made a point of it that someone like, they were just, I think one half of his family was disrespectful to his father. And he was like, dad, get out, because his dad was gonna react. So he like pulled his dad out. And he said something to him like, he goes, you don't have to even worry about those people. He goes, everyone, or he's like everyone on the planet or millions of people one day will know your last name. And that was like one of his like inciting incidents, like one of his motivating things to be so successful. Nice story circle reference there. There you go. Yeah. What were we talking about before that though? Um, Oh, wearing suits. Yes. You would do
1: that? I love, dude. I love that, like, uh, people used to wear suits to fly on planes, and I love the, I, I love the idea of it, bro. When I'm not doing this, I'm in like, A suit? no, no, I'm in like sweatpants, <laughs> pajamas, and t-shirts. Yeah, I'm basically in like.
0: We wear pajamas now, dude. I do like the whatever the the thing that all the housewives do. <laughs> it's with, embarrassing because like, leisure. because I feel like I would love that, like, y- when you watch shows like Gilded Age and you, know, you you watch shows like, well, I guess The Crown wasn't far enough back, but like, uh, like Man and yeah, you're like, oh man. Man, so stylish. Like, I wish the world was that way. And you're like, fuck, I don't know if I wanna wear a suit every day. Yeah. All the cigarette smoke too. I like the idea of it, but I <laughs> I have suits, but I choose to wear like whatever. Like, Have you suits, ever had a, like, a bespoke suit? No. Anymore? Have you? I was gonna do it at one point and then I realized I'd never fucking wear it. But right. it's a lot. There's like levels of bespoke I didn't realize. You, have, like, yeah. Like, there's like sort of bespoke and then there's like truly handmade. There's like Savile Row, like... suits. I'd wear a suit every day if I had one of those. Those feel like pajamas. Do they like the really good ones? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Have you seen like how soft like the silk Mm -hmm. is? Oh yeah, they feel like they're super comfortable. I think that's why we don't like wearing suits is because our suits are made of fucking cheap shit. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) It just feels like hot polyester like bullshit. You know, I was just talking about this
1: with somebody yesterday was uh, there's a, a thrift store in Orange that's run by one of the private Catholic schools and so they like they raise funds through there. So all of the rich people donate their stuff to oh. that specific thrift store. And like 10 or 15 years ago, I went in there and for whatever it was, like 20 bucks or something, I got a uh, an Yves Saint Laurent suit
0: in my size. Like in big, your size? That's a vintage. vintage awesome. Yves Saint Laurent suit in my size. You know all those fashion houses like didn't used to make mass market shit. It used to all be like not ready to wear off the rack. It was like whatever you call it, like Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, and it was like a big deal. Like if you got them to make something for you and they were like, the shops were all empty when you'd go in. Yeah. I, I, I don't even know if we were really alive during this period, but like or like conscious, but like there'd be like one and it wouldn't be in your size. you're like, what is this? this is weird. It's yeah. like, you would have to call someone if you wanted something. They still do that to some extent. Like the Tiffany's in Manhattan, they made a big deal about their like private rooms that actually you'll see in Crazy Rich Asians. They've done I don't know, the luxury goods market fascinates me. It's mm-hmm. like, it got it absolutely exploded during COVID, and people were like, "I knew people who were just like, these are watches, but we're just buying Rolexes and just like putting them in like putting them away." And now there's like investment grade like watch. There's like watch mm-hmm. investment platforms, and people buy Birkins. Like if you can get a Birkin, mm-hmm. you buy you buy like whatever you can get, and and it's immediately worth twice as much. It's gone down a bit since peaks, right? Yeah, the the aftermarket has, but they haven't changed their prices. Well, because there were like waiting lists. Like you couldn't, you literally couldn't buy a Birkenbag, right? Can't, you still can't. Wow. I think you're still a waiting lists. And wow. you have to like, you don't even know what makes it, like how you make the cut. Like you have to like spend money there and like look good. I don't know. Ferraris like that with their nicer cars. Like if you want the,
1: so you, like any schmuck can go drop three or 400 grand on like the entry level Like get like a California or something. Yeah, but if you want like the equivalent of the Enzo, whatever that is now. Yeah. The whatever they're like. F12 or whatever. They're, they're million dollar plus cars. Those are, you have to own other Ferraris and you have to have shown that you're a good owner who doesn't post stuff on social media and like, yeah. What's the point of getting a Ferrari? You know, they've sued people. Like they're very litigious about their brand. Do you have to like sign an agreement when you buy it? I think so. Oh man. So people have like wrapped their Ferraris and put them online (laughs) and they'll sue them for like
0: defamation. Dude, that makes me think of, I wonder if Andrew Tate could still get a Bugatti. Oh, funny. I don't know if they care because he's that's become such a part of his brand the bugatti
1: is it well I th- volkswagen is desperate for customers bro i don't know if they care <laughs> I think they just, is the bugatti just a piece of shit any, i think bugattis are great but oh. i think i think volkswagen is still
0: recovering from dieselgate when they oh yeah like yeah. did all that like emission stuff did and, you see that it came out that their uh elon is suing for discrimination and there's been like a whistleblower what no? There that like he was supposed to get like eight hundred and some bill eight hundred million dollars in subsidies for one of his companies and they didn't give it to him and they denied him for Starlink. Yeah, I read the headline. I didn't read the article. I read a little bit about it and it's just it makes sense. It makes sense. and they said it was due to his purchase of Twitter. Uh, uh. <laughs> What do you what do you what did you think about that? What he said in the New York Times thing?
1: Oh, are you talking about when he was on stage for the interview and then he's like and he does this thing?
0: Yeah, he's he, t- tells, tells he goes, for people listening, so what did, you can say, what are they? Well, no, I just, I, I don't, what did he say? He goes, if you're going to try to blackmail me with money, like you're going to leave. He was talking about uh, Bob Eisner, CEO of Disney. Yeah, yeah. He's like, you think you're going to me, blackmail me with money? Fuck off. Right. And he's like, did you hear that? Is that clear? Fuck off. And yeah. it was like the most dope thing ever. And probably the end of Twitter too. <laughs> I do think it's going to be over. I, I think that's it. <laughs> Twitter should maybe just be a website.
1: It like, doesn't have to be a tech company. Like a Wikipedia, like self edited type of. Maybe not self edited, but like Reddit.
0: Like you don't think of Reddit as this tech powerhouse. Right. It doesn't have to be Facebook. They're, I mean, Reddit is trying oh to God. get more Facebook. like that. Bro, Facebook. What? Oh my God. We had. Did I tell you about all the fraud stuff that we had? No. Someone in Singapore got into our account, sent an ad to some t-shirt company that they, Ran t shirt website, yeah, spent $196,000 on Facebook in like two days. Oh my god, I still it's a month and a half ago. I still haven't got my account back, I still have not got back into it. I can't get a hold of anybody. I found out, and then by going through this, I found out I'm not the only one. There's like threads on Reddit and threads in other places. You have to basically. To get a hold of somebody, like basic customer service, you have to go to like the attorney general of your state. Whoa. Or file like a lawsuit, basically. That's how shitty their customer service is. Is it? But you guys were able to like get it. You're not out of pocket.
1: I mean, you're losing traffic from not being able to do that. No, ads, it but.
0: We really wasn't an important source of traffic. It went on American Express, so hoping American Express does the right thing. But they're still lagging. They've been great to me as a merchant in the past. They've been really fair. So I don't. know Yeah, if this might I be mean, it was, we didn't do anything wrong. They they cracked two factor authentication. Like we really didn't do okay. anything like like negligent at all. Right. For the record, <laughs> nothing negligent. But I just found out that you can't get a hold of anybody at Facebook. I'm not the only one. Like wow. people's, they're a, they're a billion, multi billion dollar market cap company, hundred billion or something, and you can't even get a hold of somebody if you spend money with them. Wow. It's crazy bad like yeah. it's like there's threads it's like contact your attorney general or contact facebook legal and tell them you're going to sue them wow that's how you get a hold of like customer support so it's like you have to spend 20
1: grand to get a lawyer like it's, it's a twenty thousand dollar like just to get somebody on the line of facebook basically
0: to get somebody to do to help you that's crazy isn't that nuts and that's why i don't know facebook to me seems like a total paper tiger what does that mean Like, it's not a real huge company. It's not Amazon. I wonder if it... It's not Google. Yeah, I guess they don't
1: provide an inherently valuable service. Like, there's nothing... Like, it's just a network. Like, it's not... uh, there's no measurable value in the way that there is like, Amazon has built a really impressive distribution system that would be valuable yep. without the website. And Google indexes information.
0: hmm yeah. Twitter, these social media networks, I don't think you could put them in the same league. Long-term, you mean? Yeah. Cause it's, it's like fashion, it's like fashion oriented. It's like, p- it, it, it. when you have like a down economy like this and you have GMC and they're just like, we're spending an extra million on Twitter or extra million on Facebook, let's just, let's cut that. Yeah. they're screwed, and and they don't take care of their little advertisers, so what, I don't know, I just don't see how they continue being that, with service that bad, but I don't know, other companies have terrible service and still exist. So long as the users are there, but that's, I mean, look at,
1: in the U.S. anyways, look at how quickly Facebook fell apart from
0: a user standpoint. Like, I, I don't know anybody under 40 that uses Facebook. I mean, they own Instagram, that was a good acquisition. Of course, yes. So that's still, that might stick around maybe for our generation, but now everyone's on TikTok. TikTok is is the same problem. What? You, you can't get a hold of anybody. Oh, that makes sense. You can't get there. It's, it's like a ghost company. Right. They're both like ghost companies. Yeah. <laughs> like, You're like, is there actually anyone home? Or did someone just like turn on the server and then fucking leave? Right. And they're, they're advertising companies and none of them wanna be advertising companies. That's the thing. I think they think it's dirty. You think they would prefer to be like subscription revenue like Elon is trying to do with X? I think, well, I think of Google. I think Google wishes they were a university. I I think they're, (laughs) they're so stuffed up, like so stuck up. They hate the fact that they sell newspaper ads. Right, That's what Google does, they sell newspaper ads. Right. They're, they're, they don't really do anything that's really revolutionary or new. They indexed information. Mm-hmm. It's not even indexed well anymore and they sell newspaper ads mm-hmm. and that's okay. But they're always trying to do rocket. They wish they were Elon Musk. They wish they right. they were doing rockets. They tried to do self-driving cars. They always try to do everything, but 99% of their revenue right. comes from, Amazon. Amazon's a company that knows what they are, mm-hmm. but it's just, it's clearly grew too fast and it's it's completely out of their control. Amazon? Yeah. How's it out of their control? They, I don't think they can manage the level of like customer service and handling in their merchants. And like the same problem, like trying to get one thing fixed over there, it takes a miracle. Uh, perfect example, if Amazon owed me a distribution for a large amount of money, because that credit card that was at Facebook was closed, I didn't have a credit card on file with them, which they require to do distributions. They owed me like a ton of money and they need a credit card for a thirty dollars fee. Like it, it, it was ridiculous. Right. So they skipped my distribution cycle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we had fraud for two hundred grand. Skip distribution cycle. I was like, lo- like looking for a loan shark. Wow. Yeah. Scary. That stuff can just like wheezed out of the middle of nowhere. Like you said. Like you said, you just wake up and get an email, and you're like, oh, I just ruined my fucking day. Yeah. It ruined my week. Yeah. Like I yes. had to email Jeff at Amazon to get it fixed. Oh wow, to it get worked the, though. I got an email. Who's the new guy, Tom? It, it, he's, it's it's it been, for, it's yes, it worked. Wow. It, it was, and it was the only, and I called 10 times, emailed, opened up cases. Like it, these companies are just run by nobody, dude. Right, <laughs> that's funny. Is it Andy Jassy, I think is the new CEO? Jassy, that's right. I got an email back from Andy Jassy's office. Right. And he said, we've taken care of and we've expedited your payment. You should wow. see it tomorrow.
1: Done. That's a good life hack for anybody listening. Like if you are selling Amazon, that's what you gotta do, evidently. Oh yeah, shit, I shouldn't have told everybody that. All right, <laughs> no, don't worry. Nobody's gonna hear this, it's fine. <laughs> everybody knows about Jeff at Amazon. <laughs> it's so funny. Uh, on Twitter, I I wanna go back to what you said about maybe it was a mistake. Like, I think that Elon <laughs> obviously shouldn't have bought Twitter because like- that someone else financed the deal? Uh, No, I mean, yes, other people were in on it, but he, he took secured on- secured financing against his stock, is that what it was? I believe, yes, he used Tesla stock to back the debt for Twitter. And I think he put some cash, I think he put like 10 billion in equity of like sold shares for 10 billion and then put up another whatever 20 billion and then rolled like 7 billion of other people's equity these numbers are out there and i think i have No no, no you're close you're yeah.
0: close i've read i've read the distribution and then there was like someone so they have like 5 billion or something from other sources from like other people who like are people who
1: are already in it and stayed in it and oh, a couple my people God. Uh, the
0: oracle larry ellison put in like a billion. Oh, larry's a smart guy larry's 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 a, larry's a guy who actually doesn't fuck up like elon he, I saw a, a take a take from Patrick Boyle. He's like a finance British finance YouTuber who talked about Elon, and he talks about him like he he fucked up. He fucked that up, and he fucks lots of things up. And I love Elon. Like I'm a diehard Elon fan, mm-hmm. but he made a pretty compelling case that he does some stupid shit sometimes.
1: I think he does it on purpose. Like he has to back himself into the corner to get energized. Like when things are going you know well, he panics. Oh yeah, you read the you read his book. Is that his is that his thing? Totally. He creates. So he will create crises. Like if things are going smoothly, he'll like email the people at Tesla and just be like, here's a new feature, we have to have it in next week or the company's going bankrupt. <laughs> <laughs> just like force crises. So I think that he does this, maybe not consciously, but subconsciously.
0: He said it was for attention, Patrick Boyle did, but that, <clears throat> might, be a, that might be a much better take that he just what motivates his, his puzzle brain. I think his so. Autism, puzzle brain. Yes, Ah. Uh, it can be both. It was a bad buy. Tesla, oh, obviously. Uh, no Twitter. Twitter. Oh, sorry, I misspoke. That, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Twitter, Twitter was a terrible. Like, don't you just look at the the economics of it? Right, and bro, you can't. I feel like you look at p and L and be like, no.
1: Well, they were roughly break even when he bought it. I think.
0: Yes, they had just gotten to be to
1: break even, and then they lost a ton of money because all the advertisers left because you he says. Break
0: even company for sixty billion or thirty billion dollars. Well, obviously, it was like a uh, vanity play for him. I think it was probably, like we said last time, though, I think it's probably the greatest single thing for free speech in our lifetime, for sure.
1: Hmm. You stand by that?
0: A hundred percent. Well, not for long. It's obviously gonna be closed soon. Like They're not gonna close it. They're gonna keep it open and it's gonna be like Reddit. That's my that's my theory. I They're think gonna realize it's just a fucking website. I think he's gonna take a $30 billion hit and give it to somebody else. What other choice does he have? I think he'll die with the ship, dude. <laughs> I think he, I, I think he's... I, that was so bizarre, that... that New York Times thing because he goes fuck off, and then he goes, uh, "Well, what are they going to do? All these people leaving goes they're going to kill the company." And you are like, "Are you really in the position to say fuck off?" This? That's <laughs> like, what I mean. I think it was, it was kind wh- of a bizarre. He's hedging
1: so that he, when the company goes bankrupt, he can, he can blame, blame it on him. them. Yeah, bro. Because you can't. I mean, what, the My Pillow guy can only buy so many ads. <laughs> like you can't.
0: Direct response can only do so much. Like
1: you need GM and Disney. You need them. God, and it's just a waste of money for them,
0: mostly. Like they're not, it's not direct responses like brand advertising. Right, 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 I don't buy the brand advertising thing. Like you should see like at this stage and I know tracking is harder. You should see like, we spend $5,000 in GMC ads to get a lease or to get a car sold or whatever to bring somebody to the GMC family. It seems Dang. like they just have extra money and they just fucking toss it.
1: I know that they have all sorts of metrics to track that. Like of course that
0: they have somebody giving them a metric that says- They track reach probably. Okay, just from being in advertising, they probably track reach. Mm-hmm. So it's got in front of this many eyeballs and brand halo, these fucking mushy terms like brand halo.
1: You think I wonder at that scale maybe there is value. Like uh, neither of us runs companies that are big enough to benefit from that. Maybe there is actual value at that scale.
0: So the the dogma in the direct response world from like uh, Dan Ogilvie, like the guy who did the VW Beetle ads back Mm -hmm. in the day, like really famous direct response advertiser was that it's not. That is just bullshit. They just have a budget and they just kind of spend it. And he wrote a bunch of like world famous ads, like that sold tons and tons of product. But he was always like, track acquisition, track acquisition, be data driven. And he said these big companies, they just like have enough money that they just kind of throw it at brand and they sort of hope for the best and track reach and hope it gets in front of people's eyes. Cause it's not like you're like, you don't see a GMC ad and enter your fucking zip code and then like speak to a dealer. Right. You like just see a car, like, being, and you're like, oh, scroll. I wonder
1: if they control, like, okay, we're gonna uh, turn off Twitter this month and, you know, drop 10 million and spend on Twitter and see if our website button, like, hold all else equal and see how many conversions we get on the website. Uh,
0: Probably not. It's probably too many variables from there. Well, because you have all the dealers. Right. You have all the individual dealers. I think just in a recession, Mm. they're just like, Economy's down, mm-hmm. cut ads. Right. That's, that's, like the, that's like the disaster case for a lot of these tech companies. And it's starting to happen, obviously. I know, because they, they don't serve their. And, and like uh, Amazon, Amazon was on this, is kind of a different subject, but Amazon was on their quarterly call and they're like, we're capturing 50% of our merchants' revenue in fees whoa they're bragging about that they, oh. wow. so between advertising and between uh fees okay. so like we're, we get 50 percent. i was on i was on a uh, reddit and it was like if you run an amazon business what's your net margin your full net margin six percent eleven percent twelve percent three percent oh god three <laughs> percent bro maybe, just, maybe on a quit, billion just, yeah quit bro just quit you're do what you're doing you saw at. what happened to Thrasio, right? No. Thrasio was like buying up all these What's Amazon co- It's a, Thrasio is an aggregator. Okay. And they, Like a brand aggregator? Yeah, like a Procter and Gamble. They okay. were trying to create a Procter and Gamble. Right. They bought up a bunch of brands yeah. trying to, Amazon brands trying to unify them. They're done. Well, there were, yeah, I don't accuracy.
1: remember their names, but there were several companies that were doing that and they got massive private equity backing, right? Huge money. And it didn't work because brand doesn't work on Amazon because it's about price.
0: no no no, just they didn't have they didn't know what they didn't have any value although Uh their whole play was just a roll-up they were just like we'll buy for 5x or 3x okay roll it roll it roll it we'll go public and we'll get 20x i see and they just didn't make it (laughs) they just like got stuck (laughs) wow and i wonder if i remember
1: correctly and it's been a long time since i read about it but they were buying brands that had successful Amazon product pages, but they didn't have any brand value outside of those Amazon product pages. Like if you were at uh, Kohl's and you saw that on the shelf,
0: you wouldn't be like, oh my gosh, that's so-and-so. Yeah, I mean, they were, you just put it, they were total cutthroat. They're buying in a totally cutthroat space where there's constant upset and like not solid enough to like. I mean, they also just didn't run it well though. Right, okay. Like a lot, of the, a lot of companies and brands still exist, but they just, they didn't have any value. It's, it wasn't like, oh, we're gonna put it together and we're gonna have a way more efficient advertising, or we're gonna vertically integrated, do manufacturing, get it way mm-hmm. cheaper. They were just like, we're gonna buy them and then we're gonna sell them.
1: You know what, Brand, I still really, I respect a lot, because I've been, I, on the first time we spoke together, we talked about like companies that we really like. You said Restoration Hardware, Yeah. I said REI. So I've been keeping track now of any time I think of a company, I'm like, man, I love that company. They do good. Anchor, I really love Anchor they make the like cables and batteries. Oh,
0: Anker. I think of it as this Anker. Anker? Okay. No, you're probably right. I don't know what you're probably right. know what called. An- it, of course it would be Anker because that's actually a word. Anker's not a word. <laughs> that makes sense. A-N-K-E-R, however you say that word. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, yeah.
1: I love like they, I feel like, God, if I was going to do an Amazon business, that would be the dream. That's like the way to do it. you would sell cables. No, I wouldn't because they're so good at it. And you have There's to know so manufacturing. Many,
0: so many bodder, bodies littered on that path. Dude, of course, <laughs> no, I would, no, I would never. But no, I'm not saying. I'm not saying like you. You probably could execute it and find a spot. But that that was like a, that's a super gnarly category, right? But they they the way that they they did a good job. I think the thing they just
1: knew manufacturing better. I'm pretty sure that they're a Chinese company. Yeah, and they just like
0: they knew how to navigate. Chinese manufacturing better than anybody else. Okay, curveball here. How would you build, how would you go about building a game? Let's say you're gonna design a video game or you're gonna design a board game. How would you do it with a team of like 10 people? I would,
1: before I talk to 10 people, I would play every single game and try to really get in the headspace of it. I don't know that I would be able to, but I've made that mistake so many times before, going into a business, because there's an opportunity but not really understanding the business. So I've figured out a lot. And then I would, honestly, I've learned my skill in what I contribute to a team. And there's a a narrow set of things that I contribute to a team. So I would just have to, my next step would be go find the people who are excellent at those things. And this is such a generic answer. This could apply to anything. No, no, no.
0: More, okay. More in the more in the the weeds. So like, let's say, let's say I said, you actually have to do this. You mm-hmm. have three months and you have the people that you already have. Just pretend it's a team you already have. Okay. You and know, I've gotta do what? You've gotta build a board game, build, build. Don't worry about the marketing, just you gotta build it. Like? Like a tabletop board game, like Monopoly. Oh God, I guess I'd buy a ticket to China and, or wherever they- I don't mean the, I don't mean the construction. I okay, mean what the you... design. Mm-hmm. Like you can have a manufacturer, manufacture the pieces and everything. Okay. But you have to be like, here's the design, here's the creative. Mm-hmm. I need dice, I need little pieces, I need mm-hmm. I need. this is gonna be what the board looks like, here's what the box is gonna look like, make it for me,
1: manufacture it for me. So you're saying what would be my process to figure out what the product is gonna be that they're gonna yeah, manufacture? Exactly. Uh, I would start with all the other games. Like... I think your, your beginning answer made perfect sense. Play all the other games, right? Yeah, yeah. Totally. And I would figure out like, what are the threads, right? Like what are the threads that are working? And anytime I've designed anything visually before, I. It, it's always derivative. So like when I was doing uh, album art for uh, the guys in Brooklyn, I bought these like, uh, I found this used bookstore that had like really high quality used books. And I found a bunch of old advertising coffee books that were Uh like, here's all of the best ads from the 60s. And it's like this like massive thing. So I would just go through there and just- I think I had that book. Try to find inspiration from other stuff. And so I would probably, figure out what art is popular right now. I'd go look at album art and music videos, see what people are doing, look at old art for inspiration, find common threads, see what other games are doing and see if there's some novel way to combine all of that.
0: Yeah, Mm. you think you really do think like a designer, I guess. Yeah, yeah, you do. You think you really think like visually and like how you would like, how you like visually approach it. And I also think of like in that same vein. So that's how I do the visual, like the
1: aesthetics of the game but the gameplay i think is that's more what i'm talking about i don't know enough about games to know how i would do it but i would start by just playing a bunch of games playing a bunch of games and figure out what's addictive there's what's a bunch addictive of, there's a bunch of books actually about game mechanisms that's
0: fascinating i would love to read those is that interesting do like, you have like, any suggestions uh yeah i could give them to you after okay. i don't i don't know them, i don't know them off the top of my head but there's one i think uh, there's one that goes of like it's like chess bridge cribbage uh checkers it's like it's like the five most Popular games that have been enduring in Western civilization it explains mm-hmm. why all of them are so popular.
1: Ooh, okay, hold on. Thought, yeah, get D- for please it. get us back on track after I take us off track right now. But it's all good. Uh, I was when I say that I want to find out what's Sounds addictive fun. about it. There, uh, I like crack.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I really have been meaning to smoke crack lately. Yeah, right.
1: <laughs> I would just include like the tiniest bit of fentanyl in every package. Yeah, just just dust it on the pieces. Yeah, right. Um, Uh, gambling psychology. I recently learned about this. Maybe everybody knows about this, but the dopamine hit that you get from uh winning in a game is actually not what makes it addictive. It's the lack of a dopamine hit, it's the inconsistency that makes it addictive. It's like when people are playing slots, it's the inconsistency of the win, it's the expect. So, our dopamine spikes. Uh, when we are waiting for the wind to happen, so when we push the button and we're seeing the wheels spin, that's when the dopamine spikes, is in in the anticipation, and then, Evidently, they measure when most people win. People who are like addicted to gambling, when they win, they're disappointed. It like tanks their dopamine. They actually don't yeah. love the win. It's an empty feeling. It
0: takes them out of it. It's an empty feeling. They prefer the anticipation. It's like people picking up drugs is like, or going to the liquor store is like a lot of times the best part of like oh. addiction for people.
1: Interesting. Yeah, that yeah makes
0: yeah. sense. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's super. That's super interesting. I wonder how you could put a random reward I, that's that's how like uh, loot crates and stuff work in video games okay oh right
1: yes yes
0: that's that's why they call it like gambling for kids
1: yeah so i would just find a way to make it really manipulative and insidious insidious it's
0: <laughs> <Insidious. Just> bad <laughs> yeah <laughs> just make it really unhealthy <laughs> just so well no like I yeah, I think, yeah, I, I would go about it as I would take something, playing a ton of games is a good idea. I think of it in terms of game mechanisms, mm-hmm. like how many mechanisms does an average game have? Let me throw. What's a mechanism? A- mechanism is like, uh, you know, uh, buying properties in okay. Monopoly. Yeah. Buying and owning properties. And then if people land on your properties, you charge them. Mm-hmm. That mechanism exists in other games, like Settlers of Catan kind of, it's like territory based. Mm-hmm. There's a mechanism. Uh, rolling ho- dice where you roll against somebody else, that's a mechanism. Mm-hmm. That's a really simple mechanism, right? Mm-hmm. But I would think of how I would do it really like brass tacks, is I would take like the simplest possible game I can think of yeah. as a mechanism. And then I would just play test it. And cause I know there's gonna be all kinds of exceptions and it's gonna get complicated and just keep adding from there. Mm. So I'd start with like a really simple game, maybe even start with somebody else's game like mm-hmm. that's over simple and just play the shit out of it. And and as you go, be like, oh, we could we could add a, a hook here or we could add another mechanism here. You know what I think would be a
1: good starting point for something like this is uh, like, how just how uh, Cards Against Humanity is just a rip off of Apples to Apples is just a rip off of, I'm sure 30 other things. Games, I think most people don't have the patience for games, like especially with the way our dopamine has been all messed up by social media. Board games are actually, since COVID,
0: are huge. Has there there been a drop since post-COVID? Yeah. I don't know. I do know that people are selling this shit out of board games and puzzles.
1: Puzzles, dude. Totally. I know a lot of people that did puzzles. I would guess that there's been a drop in these since. Oh, I'm
0: sure. You're right. I just don't know for a fact. But you probably. But they they still are selling massively. I would want to do something that would be easily accessible, like a
1: drinking game or a party game. Like I think I would guess. I wonder if there's any way to get this data from somebody who like does credit card processing for Target or something. Like which of their games sells best? I bet
0: you the. Drinking games, you, party games are, like, really high-selling. You, Am- you can use Amazon as, like, an indicator. Good. Okay. Yeah, as, like, an indicator of what's selling. And, you know, it's interesting, Cards Against Humanity, hmm. something interesting about the gaming market, different from designing it, sells, like, 3000 a month. Hmm. That's actually really low compared to other games that you've never even heard of. Really? Yeah. Because everybody fucking has it. Oh, interesting. Everybody has cards against humanity so maybe they sell expansions but once games reach saturation points that's why it's not like selling personal care products or something that that you know like work at like you go through it it's like you use a game and you don't have to rebuy the game it's you buy it once
1: i guess you'd have to do maybe build something like cards against like if we're using cards against humanity as an example that's a great example but be more make the expansion packs more crucial to the experience overall. Which also, when people come over to my house now, I don't usually suggest Cards Against Humanity because we've been there, done that. But if there was like, I don't know, Cards Against Humanity or whatever. I don't know, like something more timely make the expansion (laughs) packs more. Where
0: did that come from? I don't know. Whatever's of the moment. (laughs) I love it, dude. (laughs) I love it.
1: But then people would be like, Oh, you have the new whatever. Yeah,
0: you have the new <laughs> pack. Yeah. You, go, well, you got the
1: pack, bro. Let's play.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's funny you say that. I really liked the idea of, uh, of a, you know, you're not supposed to talk about like sex, politics, Um, what is it? Sex, politics, or religion, right? Mm-hmm. You're not supposed to talk about it. I'd, I'd love to have a game where that's all you talked about. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> it forced people to interact on those questions. Dude, right? And like another thing would be a really good mechanism would be like, can you, uh, like someone writes down a view or has a view or says they agree and you have to pick who you think has that like uh, sh- shitty view yeah. you know what i mean Yeah. You're like oh i didn't know that about you you're a piece of shit you know what the, <laughs> the, you know what an
1: interesting mechanic to think about is i think that the thing that people and what you just said accomplishes this i think the thing that is most valuable to people ever is being seen like just being observed being witnessed When we do games at work, so at work when we do like a team game, the purpose of the game is for people who are not usually seen- To feel special. To feel special because for 30 seconds, we're asking them, what's your opinion on a thing? What's something special about you? And they don't have to feel guilty for like asking for the limelight because we give them the limelight. I bet you that's what's so cool about these games is that everybody gets to feel seen and funny and special.
0: Yeah, you've kind of like, you have like a part of your brain that's like, that i don't have like like more female more female like you have like a more <laughs> feminine side of your brain that i don't have Bro, i don't have a good comeback but i'm gonna fucking get you for that one later <laughs> like that's you're funny. just like a chick dude no i'm kidding you really do because like you're right you're absolutely right i yeah. just would never have thought of that like yeah. people do need to be made to feel special and that is the point of those fucking games right yeah
1: okay let's end on that because i gotta go
0: <laughs> yeah i know that's good